Hello, Spartan fans. We're here with another edition of the 2020 Press Quarters podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, Ronnie Plazinski and my friend Juzer Hussani, who joined us here for the Michigan podcast, our first triumvirate of Spartan fans uh, this season. Got a full crew here tonight. Uh, we're going to discuss the uh, Iowa uh, mishap this past weekend the current Michigan State football roster, uh, outlook for the rest of the year, and of course, the upcoming matchup uh, against the hated Indiana Hoosiers, 10th ranked and undefeated Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, and also at Rodney's request, uh, we're, gonna, we're going to get into some basketball at the end here because today was National Signing Day. So uh, without further ado, uh, Michigan State got absolutely annihilated by the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, gave up a 75-yard touchdown drive on their opening snap, and things pretty much got worse from there. Uh, that was the arguably the the worst loss I've seen in in at least since the Michigan game last year. Um, gents, what'd you learn from uh, the depancing that took place in Iowa City? Yeah, uh, I think that overall, I think we all can agree. Going into this year, we knew it was going to be a rebuild. Uh, looking at the Michigan game, I think we all got a little excited saying, you know, maybe, you know, Michigan State is better than we thought or they could be a little faster on this rebuild. But Iowa really brought us right back down to earth. And Andrew, you said all week how um, Iowa is a great measuring stick, a great, you know, <laughs> yep. test to see where your team's at. And we just saw how clearly um, the team is just not ready to compete. Uh, on a week in week out basis at that level, and you know we, we stress this at the in our first podcast for Rutgers, but this team's in a rebuild mode, and you know Mark D'Antonio, I, and I'm not gonna like rip on Mark D'Antonio. I don't think he left the cover entirely bare. There are pieces there, but there's just not enough to field like a football team that's competing in the upper echelon of the Big Ten, along with um, you know week in and week out. I mean they can catch one of the you know maybe better teams, but on a week in week out basements, I don't think they can actually compete with the the top of the Big Ten. And I think like three to five years is like a legit rebuild. And we're going to talk a little bit about the roster, but it was disappointing. But I I don't think anyone can be that upset. I mean, Iowa was back against the wall. Michigan State coming off a big win. Antoine Simmons gets hurt, and I mean things just didn't go well from the start, and they just got beaten the line. So overall, it was really disappointing. Juzer, what did you think about the game? Hey, so. Uh- Appreciate you guys having me back on. I'm I'm hoping that I can at least bring some uh, good luck to the pod. Last time I was on, we had an <laughs> unexpected win, so I'll uh, give that to you. But, you know, it's a lot of what you said, Ronnie, and kind of what we've discussed in the past is that this is year zero for Mel Tucker. This is year zero for this team. Um, uh, I, I'll be honest, I knew our lines were – well, O-line especially, uh, I knew it was – pretty bad but uh you know i was thinking okay you know michigan's supposed to have a decent deep front interior line actually did pretty well with samick in the middle there and uh you know against iowa their d line which we knew was going to be a bit stronger but ah man that was that was brutal and the tackles had trouble too uh from what i noticed so you know rocky really didn't have a clean pocket to throw through throw to um from excuse me I thought the other part is that the defensive line also got pushed around. They uh, Iowa had a lot of max protect or also just a lot of, you know, eight, seven, eight man running, running game plays. And so that, you know, our defense got pushed, like defensive line got pushed around, but also the linebackers were just 
not good at all. So I think from there, yes, we, we definitely have, we knew that there was a, a talent disparity there. We knew that there was, and these kids are young. I also kind of noticed that our offensive game plan and defensive game plan seem to be very vanilla still. And so what I'm thinking is, is these coaches are trying to perfect a new playbook that these pre- mm. players haven't had a chance to practice inside. You're, you're, you're seeing a lot of inside zone, a lot of basic stuff, you know, not a lot of jet sweeps, not a lot of trickery, not a lot of things that are complicated. It's, you know what, we know this year isn't going to really count. We're, all these guys, almost all these guys can come back or are coming back and have multiple years of eligibility left. Let's build for the future. Let's, you know, I, I wouldn't even say three or four years, Ronnie. I'm thinking that they're playing for next year. I think that they think that between the talent they have coming in and the guys that they have on the roster, if they can just kind of get things installed, use this as a protracted spring with live scrimmages and go from there. Yeah, I, I, I think part of the issue, and we – we talked about Iowa's zone blocking and, and they, they run it extremely well. They, they have a good center. And I, I, I think I warned on the, on the podcast, don't, don't just look at their interior guard and say, Oh, they're 290 pounds. They're not going to be able to move. They're, they're actually squat. I mean, they're like six, two or six, three, but they're, they're squat enough. They can get low and they were getting into the defensive tackles and moving them. I mean, all around the football play. I mean, just, just a lesson in leverage. You got to remember Kirk Ferentz is, is, one of the best O-line coaches on the planet, period. I mean, he was an NFL O-line coach before he took over in uh, Iowa. And he, they do I, – I, you know what Iowa is. And I wonder how much of it also is on uh, both the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. This is their first real time around the league. I mean, we talked about it. We know, okay, you know, Iowa, cover two. Four three over. Uh, they might shift to a four two five. We know we know expect you know inside zone, outside zone, play action, crossing routes, tight end seams. I mean, it's it's every Iowa team ever, right? Uh, they don't really deviate. They don't really blitz. I mean, they they just are. They play that that underneath zone. Their linebackers get out in in the in the throwing lanes. That's on that pick six play. You know, uh, he's trying to he's trying to float it and floats it. Uh, you know, over the linebackers. And if he had done it right or Lombardi had done it right, it, it would have been a first down, but ends up getting picked because there's just so many bodies underneath and they, they really want you to just throw into that mess. Uh, so I wonder how much of the game planning was, were, were the coaches learning, learning the league and, you know, Juzer, we had talked about, you know, the four, two, five, you know, a little nervous about that in the big 10. And you saw that fullback. Uh, I mean, they just had a, they were, there were seven blocking six on some of these plays. Um, you know, this isn't D'Antonio. Eight on six, usually two. Yes, Not yeah. Two. Yeah, with the fullback there and, and, a, and a tight end. And and you're not having the safeties fill because they're they're trying to they're a little wider, trying to keep everything in the middle. Uh, but when you're going straight up, um, you know, Harvey, Harvey got washed out of so many plays. Um, you know, on the first touchdown, instead of making a cut in and getting at the line, the uh, um, um, Running back, he actually followed on the backside of the defensive tackle, which allowed the offensive lineman to effectively block not only the D tackle but also the linebacker. Two guys, yep. Two guys yeah, and it's yep. the 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 exact opposite of what it was. Um, right, but is that is of, that really like a scheme issue versus is it yes. guys don't know what they're supposed to be doing? Because I mean, like I, I thought Noah Harvey played extremely poorly again, kind of like he did against Rutgers. I think a lot of that might be to do with he doesn't actually I, I think he was very good when he has you know 
one read, but when he's in this two read system, he gets washed out far too often. And I think part of it's scheme, but I think a lot of it is, you know, Tucker doesn't have the guys to completely play in what he wants to do. He hasn't had time. I mean, and that's nothing against Harvey. I just don't think they've had time to really adapt to what Hazleton and, you know, the defense have in mind. And I think that really showed this weekend that not only was maybe our scheme a little outmanned, but I think uh, our younger players don't actually know what they're supposed to do 100%. And Tucker says all the time, to play fast, you need to know what you're doing. And I, and I don't think Harvey 100% knew what he was supposed to do. And it cost us, especially on that 75-yard run uh, yeah, in the second a, half. Yeah, well, that was in, in Juzer. I, I Tell me if I'm wrong. The pre-snap motion ha- had Harvey out of position all day. Yeah, he react he reacted every time, and they just went to the opposite way of where. I mean, it, it was pretty easy. Uh, to be fair to the team, I mean, they gave up five and a half yards of carry, but if you take out that seventy-one yard bust, they were at about three point three, which isn't terrible. Um, but it's it, it, this is just a it, it's Juicer. I'm talking too much. Why don't you Why don't you fill in here? You're cool, man. Well, uh, you know, just kind of going back to that, right? If if my uh, if my aunt, you know, was my uncle, then it'd be right, right, you know, right, that kind of thing, right? So I don't even know how that goes. So here's here's I, I think Ronnie's right in the sense that it's the Jimmys and the Joes, and it's also the X's and the O's. Um, I think it's it's a combination of all of them. And remember, our best linebacker was on the sideline most of the game. Right. Uh, our best linebacker that has the most experience that knows what he's knows where to put people, knows where people are supposed to go. I don't think Harvey really knows how to play the middle in this kind of system, right? So when, the reason he's getting washed out, the reason he like he's thinking too much out there, you know, kind of what you guys have already said, but also he's what I think is what Richard sophomore. So Richard sophomore Richard in a junior. new scheme. He's, okay, I can't remember if he was a sophomore or junior. Regardless, he. Just started getting playing time last year in the middle in a 4-3. Now he's getting playing time in the middle of a 4-2 when the guy that has the most experience is on the sideline, right? So that was also a mid, mid-game mid shift. So I, I'll cut him a little bit of slack uh, in the sense that it's really difficult to change streams like that when you don't have – when you're already learning a new scheme. So, I mean, he's, he's learning that second linebacker spot most of the practice. How often is he – practicing in the middle i don't know right and he has nobody yeah. he has nobody to help him accountable not saying the kid himself isn't accountable but we were kind of talking a little bit and this kind of goes into the team and, and what we have jimmy's and joe's wise the linebacker depth is extremely poor right now and outside of antoine simmons who's dinged up obviously couldn't go noah harvey and chase klein who plays kind of that stand up almost like a defensive end there is literally no one behind him. And that really shows when, you know, Harvey has a bad play. You can't take him out and coach him up. That's all you got. Otherwise you're putting Terry yes. O'Connor in there or Cal Halliday, who's obviously not ready for this, you know, for the big stage. So not only is he not even, he's not able to, you know, he's learning on the fly. We can't even put someone else in him to be like, okay, take a breather. Let's look at what you did wrong. And I think that just comes down to what, you know, Scotty Hazleton, the defense was left with. Yeah, and I think the reason why, just for people understanding, because I know a lot of people were upset about Lombardi with his, you know, three interceptions. Uh, I, I think we've the whole D'Antonio era. We kind of felt at least we could rely on the defense, particularly the run defense. I mean, the only year where that was a, really an issue was in 2016 when you know all the defensive tackles left or transferred or whatever the deal was, and it just that was just kind of a lost year. But 
you know, what we're seeing is a kind of an overhaul of the entire roster and um, from schemes to, to everything. Um, and, and that's not to absolve Lombardi. Look, he, he did not have a good game, but I think we all knew that def- the offensive line was going to be a problem. Uh, they have no runs of 30 yards on the year. They have no, um, uh, they have no rushing touchdowns by a running back through three games. Um, and if there's one position on the line or uh, in the team that can't be fixed overnight, it's the offensive line. And, um, Hashtag truth. I, I just don't. I just don't see. I, I just don't see how that gets better before next year, and probably not until twenty twenty two, where it, you know uh, to be to be actually good. Right. Uh, I think that recruit with uh, you know adding you know Brandon Baldwin is a big deal. I think that can accelerate it, but I think like you said, they just won't have the guy. When you're playing a true freshman offensive line, and you're not Alabama or Clemson, that's a problem. And right. that's not something we want to rely. We don't want to say, look at all these kids, Ethan Boyd and, and say, Oh, come in and play. Like that is not ideal situation. So like Andrew said, I think two years is when you can really think the line might improve, you know, drastically. Right. And, and I mean, I think, I think off of that, um, just to kind of put, kind of put a bow on Iowa, um, that cut co- their, their defense, their cover two. I, I mean, their D tackles just ate the interior line. There was no running room at all. I can't, I, I don't even think it's worth it to discuss the running backs. They, they've got no chance. <laughs> Zero. I mean, there, there's no, there's no chance. I, you could, you could put Leonard Fournette and, and 10 years ago, Adrian Peterson back there and, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't make a difference. Derek Henry um, wouldn't be doing anything back there. Yeah. Derek, yeah. That's from, from the Tennessee guy. That's a good, that's a good reference. Yeah. There. Right. Um, so, uh, Drew, I did want to, because it's kind of the elephant in the room. We've kind of skirted around it, but uh, I think a lot of people are probably worrying, wondering about Rocky Lombardi in terms of why did he keep going as long as he did? And I, honestly, in the moment, I'm like, come on, like, is this just a homecoming thing? Is this, you know, like the kids obviously either hurt or some, something's going on to where, why, why are we keeping him in the game as long as we are? And I think, you know, hindsight being what it is, you know, having a few moments of clarity and not being caught up in the game itself. I think, again, we're playing for next year. Rocky hasn't had a chance to get live reps, hasn't had a chance to get game reps, right? You bring in a backup this early in the game. One, what are you going to do to Rocky's confidence? What are you going to do to kind of his psyche going forward? And two, he's, it's not like he has enough reps. This is what his sixth game starting, right? It's not like he's, he's a third or fourth year starter. Yeah. He's a red shirt junior, but he's been playing, you know, he's barely gotten any time. I, I, I like, this is something that I was really upset about on Saturday. As I've thought about it a little bit more, I'm like, okay, I, I understand why the coaches kept him in as long as they did, even though he looked horrible. And then the other thing I wanted to kind of touch on is I think, yes, three the first three drives, the defense got freaking mollywopped, right? Then you had a pick six, and then you had the, the punt, um, return. punt return for a touchdown, right? So that's 35, you know, kind of going into half, which I don't know what happened to our special teams. Like, that's just – Wow. Uh, you know, especially bringing in a special teams coach. So is that, again, a depth issue that we're seeing because we don't have guys that are, you know, that our, our young guys just maybe don't have the talent. You can kind of go back and forth there. Right. But if you look at it, 
you know, it seems like some of the issues in the second half got cleaned up a little bit. Yes, Iowa took their foot off the gas, but I mean, Iowa was running the ball the whole time anyways, right? So I don't know if that's a good sign going to the future. I don't know if you can tell anything from that, but it's it's also, I don't think these kids gave up either, which I think is also a good sign. So I think I wanted to give them credit where credit was due in that they did seem to figure some things out. And the defensive secondary wasn't horrible either, um, but that quarterback was horrible. Like, yeah, he, he was should, he, he was bad. He was bad, but I think losing Chris Jackson with losing Chris Jackson, I, I actually thought they played well. The secondary, you know, Barnett gets his first start. Yeah. I like what you said about <laughs> the team didn't quit. I really don't think they did, and I think that's a tribute to Mel Tucker. You know, keeping them ready to go in the second half, and I I was I appreciated him being upset after the game about fundamentals and talking about you know don't look at this team as you know the you know end result look at it from a play-to-play basis and fundamentals and that you know that has Nick Saban written all over it and that's what kind of Saban preaches and I like that being his you know attitude toward the team and being upset that maybe fundamentally they struggled especially on special teams like you mentioned but my only issue with the Rocky Lombardi thing is I understand he hasn't had a lot of game reps but I I thought he was visibly hurt I thought he was struggling to plant and I think at that point, you're in the second half in a game you can't win with backups who have no live reps and you have a player who's visibly hurt. I, I thought it was I, I, that concerns me when they keep a kid in who's hurt. I get Rocky can say, oh, I'm fine. But if you know Rocky gets hurt and gets hurt for a long time, we literally have to play Peyton Thorne or Theo Day for the rest of the season. And, you know, I, I think take him, right. And I say take him out at that point and give Day a shot because, you know, Day had one throw. Who, and it didn't look good, but if you gave him maybe more time, Thorn. maybe it could have been better. I mean, I'm sorry, Thorn. Hey, maybe it could have been better. You know, we don't know. So that was my only concern with the Rocky Lombardi thing. You know, I know the kids didn't quit. I don't want to ruin Rocky's confidence, but I also don't want to get him hurt. So I agree with you that it's not a problem to keep him in, just that maybe a little earlier if he's showing that kind of sign of, you know, injury at least. At least that's what I thought. He looked hurt to me. I don't know. And it's it's hard to tell. I I agree. He wasn't, you know, he, he did his mechanics, which obviously Rocky's mechanics, kind of like we talked about on the pod beforehand. You know, his, his mechanics aren't conventional, and they they don't look great, anyways. And when he's if he is injured or he's tweaked or something like that, and his his bad mechanics get exacerbated to where he throws some very poor balls. But I mean, he was bouncing throws. So yeah, I, I agree. He might've been hurt, but like if it's an MCL sprain, what are you going to do? Right. If it's an LCL sprain, what are you going to do? Right. If it's, if it's, is he hurt or is he injured? Right. You go back to that each time. If he's hurt, you got to play through it. If he's injured, then yeah, you got to take the kid out and you've got to trust Michigan state's medical staff that they obviously know the difference between that. And, you know, having, having worked with them, they're some of the top medical people in all of college football. So I would really trust their ability to evaluate him and give him the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Oh, I I agree. But what's best for the team? Like he might, even though he's playing hurt, you can play through it. But if he's actually not playing well because he's hurt, not getting more hurt, I I think that's when you go to someone else who maybe, maybe not the guy, but at the same time, like gives your chance of a team, a better chance to execute. Also getting live reps for those guys who have absolutely zero. But I understand what you're saying. I think we can go either way on this, right? Like, I, again, I was I was on your boat on you know Saturday. I'm, I'm kind of leaning the other way now, but I, I mean, I, I I can I can go I can flip flop both right. ways, and yeah, I think it's it, it's hard to know and it's hard to be in that situation. But that's also why we're not making millions of dollars coaching football, and we're sitting here on a podcast. True. Yeah. Well, that's that's true. Um, I. I 
I guess I guess we we've got to wrap up the the last week and, and get into Indiana here. But I, I just wanted to say, um, I, I don't want to dump on D'Antonio because he was the best coach we've had in our in our lifetime. The truth is that there are holes in the roster that are multi years in the making, and and they won't be fixed overnight unless there are are substantial transfers. The holes are pretty much the entire offensive line. You know, minus probably Kevin Jarvis, even though he struggled against Iowa, he's generally been good. Uh, defensive end, there is there is no pass rush from the defensive end spot. Um, there, they think they have four total sacks in three games, um, and, and that's with playing Rutgers and and a team that that features a statue at quarterback in, in Iowa. <laughs> um, there are there's maybe one and a half linebackers that are competent in Simmons and Klein and Simmons could graduate and, and leave after this year. Um, the secondary, I think they've got enough, they've got plenty of bodies, got plenty coming in, but, but you know, people were complaining and, and, you know, we should never be this bad against Iowa. I mean, this was a, this was a seven and 16 last year that lost a third year, three year starter, all their receivers. Um, you know, the, the, their, their one elite pass rushing defensive end. And it's not like there was a wave of guys behind it. Uh, D'Antonio always seemed to recruit, and I know we'll get to Indiana here in a second. Uh, he always seemed to recruit like a year behind schedule. Like he would wait until four offensive linemen were going to graduate, and then bring in four offensive linemen. So they'd be tr- so you'd be replacing seniors with true freshmen instead of redshirt freshmen or even redshirt sophomores. And I always felt like there there was never a, a real finger on the pulse. The defensive end situation and the linebacker situation are, are insane. I mean, it absolutely, I absolutely ridiculous that that we're at this stage. Um, you know, D'Antonio brought in four defensive ends in the 2020 class. Um, you know, none of whom were were particularly highly regarded, but you, you couldn't rely on any one of the four right now. And it's going to take a couple of years for that for them to to build up, and they may not fit the scheme that that ultimately is going to be run. Um, and I think that's actually a good segue because Juzer, we had talked about running a four-two-five in in the Big Ten. Uh, that's exactly what Indiana runs as a base defense, and they play a very aggressive form of it. And it's been it's been very successful this year. Um, you know, they're three and zero. They beat Penn State, uh, which surprised everyone. They handled Rutgers, and then they even more handled Michigan this past weekend. I mean, they they controlled that game for four quarters. Uh, e- even more so than Michigan State did. So uh, MSU at one and two. I know this year doesn't mean anything, but man, I got to tell you, I-, I don't think it would feel great to fans to to have a year where you lost to to Rutgers and Indiana in the same year. Um, so have you guys watched any Hoosier football this year? Um, obviously, they're having a, a record season. Yeah, uh, this is what do we your- think. This isn't your dad's Indiana, though, or you know your grandpa's Indiana. <laughs> or your granddad's. This is, yeah, this is a much different Indiana team, uh, and we'll get into per- personnel. Uh, Andrew knows much more than I on that, but just wa- I've watched shockingly two of their games, which is more Indiana football than I've watched in a long time. And the Penn State game, I mean, that was like a pure, you know, heart win. Uh, Michael Penix kind of put the team on his back, uh, obviously in that last play where he dove from the six yard line and somehow got into the end zone. But just at the end there, the way he drove and the way he throws, it was really impressive. But in that game, Penn State outgained them significantly, and they don't have the actual numbers in front of me. But Penn State, you know, absolutely outgained Indiana. (laughs) I think it was more than three to one. And then 
Um, better than win against Michigan while impressive how good is Michigan right now so I'm not saying they're there I I feel Indiana is going to beat us but I feel like their wins may be more inflated than we give it credit right now because of what Penn State is 0-3 just got cribbed by Maryland and then Michigan is who they are right now so I I don't know exactly what Indiana is but I know they're better than Michigan State probably Juzer Ryan, you literally took the words right out of my mouth and uh, I stole my thunder. Oh, you're good. I actually want to go back to one real thing, quick thing uh, on what Drew had mentioned towards the end of uh, kind of our last segment in terms of D'Antonio's recruiting. I think we also have to remind ourselves and Spartan fans, we also want to think about this. We know what happened to that 2016 class and with yeah. the 2017 class. Those would be your, your seniors, your, your redshirt juniors and all that. So, you know, it's it i don't know that d'antonio was recruiting behind i think he went conservative with his recruiting because of what happened in those years and just was never able to plug the holes and obviously he got shot out of detroit where we were getting a lot of talent as well because of the blackwell thing so there was just a lot of things that i think kind of perfect storm of didn't really go our way but that that is what it is um kind of going back to indiana um i've watched them every game this year just because I think they're a really fun team to watch. And a yeah. um, little bit of inside info here. My brother actually interned at a sports cardiology uh, month over there. And he said that since Tom Allen has come in, it's been a completely different culture of change in what they're trying to do. And I know it's his sixth year, but six years at Indiana and, and progressing each year is pretty impressive. Um, and it's just, you know, Penix Jr. has been hurt a lot, but he's been healthy this year, which has been really impressive. Like, if you one of the games that he was healthy was against us last year, and we yeah. barely beat them, right? And that defense was pretty. Our defense was pretty good last year, so sure. I mean, I, I think that speaks to something. But going back to Ronnie's point, how good is Indiana really? You can't do the transitive property in football, but first game against Penn State, that I mean, that seems like a quality win, but then again. Penn State's winless in the Big Ten right now. That second game against Rutgers, Rutgers played pretty well against Indiana. I'm not sold on Indiana's defense. It is a 4-2-5. I just – I'm not really sold. They they, they, don't, they they play that bend-don't-break style that, we've, that we're kind of used to with Narduzzi outside of, you know, the press quarters and everything like that. But that's what really seems, seems to be happening. I think their corners are pretty decent. I think their front seven is definitely a weakness for them. Um, uh, on offense, it's Penix Jr. and 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 their receivers are really good. What is uh they got they got some great names on their uh, offensive side. You got uh, Wop, Wop Filer or whatever. Yeah. yeah, who's who's torn us apart from the slot since he came in since he was a freshman. So obviously that's a concern. Um, their tight end Hendershot, I think maybe Peyton Hendershot. Shot. Um, uh, yeah, right, something like that. Who like he's awesome um like i mean he's a great receiving threat and then um the kid that they went to basically the entire first half i'm I'm blanking on his name against michigan is is a great fry fogel there you go fry fogel that's what these names man like i'm on it i don't know where these names are coming from but oh they have a running back named samson james come on yeah and then yes, and then you got Stevie Scott as well, right? Who's, yes. who's a really good running back. So offensively, they've got some weapons. But again, they're almost like us in a little way, in the sense that their line is definitely the weak spot on their offense. Yeah. So they're both their offensive line and defensive lines are definitely weak spots, which again kind of coincides with us. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Right. So 
they're they're a good team. You know, are they the tenth team in the country? Probably not. Are they some sort of a top twenty-five team? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, I, I think they're that's, COVID that's good. Probably, that's how I look, they're COVID, they're COVID good. good. No, that's how I look at them. I mean, they're they're I was literally. I was about to say this is this is twenty twenty when you know Indiana is in the in the top ten. Right. COVID top. They're COVID top ten. The, right. That's like how yeah. I look at them. They're COVID. They're going to get T-shirts made of that, Ronnie. You better right. trademark it. Yeah. Probably should. Uh, so, yeah. So the, 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 they're kind of they're kind of the. Um, I mean, they, they've done enough, right? So, so the Penn State game is kind of crazy. I mean, there's no way Indiana should have won that game. None, zero. They were outgained 488 to 211 yards. Just think about that for a second. Think about what that means. I mean, that, that's better than two to one. Um, they gave up. They only complete. They were at 4.7 yards a pass attempt and 1.6 yards a carry. Penn State had 100 yards of penalties. Okay. And um, th- turned it over three times. And that's and made some really bad decisions. Uh, but. Uh, Indiana used that as a springboard. Um, they actually played well. I mean, they held Rutgers to less than 250 yards. I mean, that's pretty good. Um, uh, and forced three turnovers. That's that's a pretty that's a pretty active front. And then um, you know they outgained Michigan by 100 yards, 460 to 357. Um, held Michigan to 13 rushing yards. I mean, that's. That's good. I mean, MSU gave up 150 rushing yards to Michigan. So what they're doing is, is see, Juzer, I, I disagree. I don't think they play Ben don't break 425. They play like Don Brown school 425, meaning they blitz from everywhere, both corners, all linebackers, their safeties. It's like Tom Allen cannot finish a game unless every every one of their back seven gets a blitz in. Uh, and they come and they're fast. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to go through their whole their whole roster this time at, at Ronnie's request. Um, but the, the the guys really to look for um, both corners are pretty good. Um, the 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 best one is Taiwan Mullen. Uh, he's number three. Uh, he's got he'll be a you know 15 pass broken up on a year guy. Uh, and they play a lot of cover one. So you wonder, guys. You know they play a lot of cover one. It it is it is a it is an even front of a, a forty front. Um, is this a better matchup for MSU in terms of in terms of the offense? Uh, it's it's a scheme very similar to to what Hazelton runs, a little more aggressive. Um, and I'll tell you, they're going to leave their corners on island, and usually they're okay. But every now and then, uh, you know, things break down. I mean, Milton, Milton had ten yards of pass attempt against this against these guys. Yeah, so, that's why I was calling it Ben don't break, man, because every well, they, like, they're, most they're, of the QBs have been able to get some yards through the air, maybe not through the ground, but definitely through the air. Yeah, but, but what I'm seeing is is either it's going to be a sack, a big incompletion, or a big uh, a big uh, big incompletion or a big completion. Like I'm not and I'm one not thing seeing Rocky can do is, under- one thing Rocky Sorry, can do is throw deep. No, I was just one thing Rocky yeah. can do is throw deep and do it well, and it's something we haven't been able to do in a while. And it even worked against Indiana. I mean, sorry, Iowa against that cover too. So I, yeah. when I was looking at that, I was surprised to see that they did have their quarterbacks on islands, and Milton had some success. And I don't think Milton is very good, just my opinion. I think there will be plays there 
for this offense if they play the way they did against Michigan. Now, what team plays, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and that's and, and I, I'm not I'm not expecting MSU to win this game. Don't get me wrong, but it just goes to show you that there are certain things that are. I mean, their their scheme scheme matters a lot in 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 college. In the pros, there's just a lot less variety. Um, so the scheme matchup, it's more about personnel, but in, in college, it's all, it's about fit and scheme and the, you know, Indiana's defense is, is going to be now a familiar defense. It's what MSU seeing in practice. Um, and they, they'll take risks because they're going to be blitzing. You're going to have guys open. If Rocky can get the ball out, which he's done a pretty decent job of, um, you know, he hasn't been eating it too much. Um, there are opportunities to make plays downfield. Um, I don't think I talked to I talked to Indiana fans this week. You know they're pretty high on their defensive tackles. I'm not really seeing it. Um, they've got uh, Micah McFadden. Their their uh, I think they're they're good. Their their Antoine Simmons uh, gets downhill pretty well. Um, but any kind of misdirection, he has like a Noah Harvey moment. Um, they, I mean they 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 held Michigan. Uh, in check on the running game because they just brought run blitz after run blitz, not because the defensive tackles were were moving the pile or anything. Um, so, so there there might be some opportunities there. Uh, the problem is is that you know it, you know maybe State can get three or four touchdowns on these guys. Maybe uh, I don't know how the defense contends with with Michael Penix in this in this offense. I mean, this is a it's a it's a no huddle but it's not a hurry up like they get to the line and then they, they do the most annoying, you know, they get a line and then they stop and they look to the sideline for 20 seconds. They get the play in. And then That's they everyone play. in college football. Now though, I, hate so, it. I mean, this, this team's used to playing that way. Yeah. But I'm saying, but they're not like Oregon blur offense, hurry up, snap next, hurry up, snap next. I mean, they just hurry up and then just sit there. I mean, with the, with exactly those changes, State does. Yeah, it's exactly what Penn State does. I mean, yeah, Ohio Oklahoma. State does the same thing. Everybody, like, yeah, it's annoying, but I, I don't think it's, it, I don't think it's a unique offense. No, but I do think if Antoine Simmons is injured, that's really going to hurt the calls coming in from the sideline and the because you know we talked a lot about communicate. You know, Tucker's talked a ton about how communication was better. I, you know, I've heard it echoed from Henderson and from Simmons. But if your leader isn't in there, maybe that communication can break, you know, has a breakdown. And, and I, I, you really need him healthy. And when I saw that they did that with, you know, staring at the sideline, I really thought about Simmons. Like if he's not in there, you know, calls get lost. It's going to look like Chris Meelan is back. So really, <laughs> everyone should be praying that he's healthy. What a throwback, Ronnie. Yeah, it's tough. I, feel- I had nightmares of him this weekend, so... <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I think Simmons is definitely going to be huge on defense in terms of that exactly that setup and communication. I just I'm not as worried about Iowa or I'm sorry, uh, Indiana hurrying up to the line and standing there just because I think all teams are used to it now. Um, I, I would I hope Chris Jackson's back. I think he definitely helps stabilize things back there. Yeah. Um, I think he's our best corner. I, like from from the first two games, I, I think he's definitely our, our our shutdown guy. He's a good tackler. I'm not sold on Gervin, so I'm wondering if um, Barnett, Barnett might take over for Gervin if he. I, I mean, it's hard to tell who played well and who didn't on from Saturday. It's I really no one. wasn't able to get a good sense of that. I, I'm not sold on persons back there. I'm still not sold on persons no. back there. He had a bad he's, he's the worst had, defensive back. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, I mean, are we going to give some more looks? Is, is Gase going to get more time back there? Um, I, I'm really interested to see gross. because, yeah, I, like, I named off the receivers. You, or you Gase, gross. I'm sorry. Gross, Gase. I'm, yeah. I'm forgetting. Sorry, guys. <laughs> he's he's, he's no, struggling this Gase weekend, actually. Yeah, yeah. Angelo Gross did struggle this weekend, though, a few times, and, and it's to be expected. He's playing on the road True against freshman, Iowa. Yeah. I get it. True I get freshman. it's like a road environment, but not a normal road environment. And he, you could tell that the signals, like he was confused a few times, and you know, he passed off a receiver on a crossing route once, and then he kind of turned and looked at him and was like, "Wait a second, that was my guy," and it was like a nice <laughs> forty-yard gain. And I was just watching, like, "Oh, I can't even get mad. Like, what are you going to say? The kid doesn't know what he's right. doing. Like, you know." Right. So I that's. That's a concern if you're trying to win a football game. Not when you're. It's funny when you're down thirty-five to seven. It wouldn't be funny if it's a you know seventeen seventeen game in the third quarter. You right. know, so yeah, you know Ronnie, how much they can play him. I don't wishful. know. Oh, sorry. I was saying, Ronnie. It's more wishful thinking on my part that yeah. someone's going to come in and replace Persons. But I mean, the kid's what redshirt junior now. Uh, he's he's got the experience. I don't think he's going anywhere for the foreseeable future. Agreed. Well, and I apologize because I kind of beat around the bush on this. My, my point with the with the hurry up is uh, what I was trying to get at is this is this is uh, Indiana runs an offense similar to like what the Big Twelve runs, right? With the with the wide open three wide, the tight end is often split. It isn't really tight. They're they're uh, they're split out. Um, this the, to me at least, I felt this was the kind of offense that that MSU's defense was designed to go up against. Hundred percent. You know they were not designed to go up against a power eye with a two hundred and sixty-five pound fullback mashing you. They're they're meant to stop speed in space, speed in space. You know that that's I I can't just I gotta think that say it like that. Um, so do you think this is a better scheme matchup for for the defense? And and you know last year Penix completed 20, 22 straight passes against MSU's. Uh, quarters coverage because they allowed those those holes in the flat and they were playing all this off coverage uh on on third and medium and just like giving up the release and i'm not seeing quite as much of that i mean the problem with against iowa was that the 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 pressure wasn't getting home on and let and let it was allowing those crossing those crossers to develop uh that's a pass rush problem rather than a coverage problem um and you know, I'm looking at Penix. He hasn't really gone off on any of his games. He's under seven yards a pass attempt. He hasn't thrown any interception. He's only thrown one interception, so he's 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 on a pretty good good at taking care of the ball. Um, he's got a good, very strong arm. He's generally pretty accurate, but he's under sixty percent completion on the season. Uh, I mean, is this an is this a is this a team that that MSU can uh, can maybe keep in check? It's going to depend on if Simmons is playing. Um, I think that's that's the crux of it right there. Who's playing and who's not. Um, but scheme-wise, yeah, you're right. And that's that's kind of what I was, guys, I guess, kind of beating around on is that, like, MSU isn't going to be scared of the scheme because this is exactly what they were brought in to do. And this is what D'Antonio's teams have struggled with on defense. So just kind of what you're going um, – uh, what you were saying – there so i mean i actually you know if, if simmons is playing i'm a lot more comf- uh, like comfortable with how we're going to match up i think the um the hard part is that and i and i think Penix jr is very and this is actually sorry i'm going back i'm digressing a little bit here i did not mean ben 
uh, bender break on uh, Indiana's defense. I meant boomer bust. And I think that's yes, also that's, how that's, you would say. Yes. That makes more uh, sense now. Pet, yes. yes. Sorry. It's been a long day, yeah. guys. I And it's like I, all no, the no, no. left my uh, all the blood's lost my brain, left my brain. I can't even talk. I'm <laughs> a podcast and I can't even talk. Um, but that's how I also feel about Penix Jr., right? Like he's going to be very boomer bust. He's it's it, even with the short stuff. Um, he, he just doesn't seem to have the accuracy to, to be consistent like he was against us uh, against that D'Antonio team. But I think a lot more teams are playing this four, two, five kind of defense, which is, again, is very similar to what Michigan plays very similar to what Penn state plays. So, you know, I mean, I think that we are kind of set up, in, in an okay fashion it's just a matter of whether we have our best defender out there uh or not and whether we have the athletes uh, otherwise to keep up with their athletes yeah yeah i i, I, mean, I, mean, I totally i totally agree it, it sets up better for the team it, it really just depends on what team plays i mean that's that's is it the guys who played michigan who were you know very gap sound very you know in communication it was they were like an extension of each other versus last week where it looked like we were a bunch of, you know, chickens with our heads cut off, you know, which team comes out to play. And, and that's just, you know, it's a young team with a new scheme. We just, we just don't know from week to week. And, and, well, and so it, it looks good on paper, but you don't know. Well, the kind of the crazy thing is, I mean, the different, one of the big differences to me between uh, Michigan and Iowa uh, is that Michigan didn't do a lot of pre-snap motion. There wasn't a lot of misdirection. Uh, and Iowa was always moving someone around and I felt like that was a, um, that really did, um, that, that, that was really a problem for, for MSU. They, yeah. they, they just don't have, especially with Simmons. Not, right. They just weren't comfortable in the scheme to make the adjustment, um, in that right. situation. So, you know, I, I look, it, Indiana is a is a I guess their offense I think is pretty boomer pretty boomer bust as well you know I would say um, correct you know they look I mean they don't have a great running game their interior offensive line isn't great uh, they have so Penix is left handed so your right tackle is your is your left tackle in the you know your blindside guy uh, their their actual starting left tackle is six eight three sixty five. I just I know I said I wouldn't get into heights and weights as much, but I thought that was crazy. <laughs> so I thought I'd just mention that. Uh he's okay. Uh, but he can get you can get around him because I mean he's just he's just so big. Um so that's something that's interesting. I mean, look, I, I, I look, Indiana isn't like uh I mean it's not like playing Clemson, right? I mean, it's still they're they're better than they've been. This they don't have you know ultra elite talent, but they are playing fast and they're playing physical. And Allen's aggressive, and that gets you a long way in in uh, in college football. And I think that teams haven't practiced. Yeah, you guys well, and, teams haven't practiced, right? So that's definitely going to work against teams that aren't cohesive, that aren't sound, right? That you know, in this kind of year. And one, one intangible that I'll throw out there for you guys, and maybe we can say this for the prediction, but it might, it kind of works here. But Indiana's big game was against Michigan, a team that they thought they could win, that they haven't beaten in a long time. Then they have us. And then they have Ohio State, uh, Ohio State afterwards. Right. I mean, can we for once say that we're the trap game? Yes. Yes. That is a trap game for Iowa. You know, they weren't looking at this one on the schedule. But it doesn't mean we're going to win. But I agree with you 100%. And I've seen that. I've seen people say that before, and I laugh. But you're, no, you're 100% right. 
That's so sad. I'm just saying that, like, well, you think about it, like, just I mean, these are kids, right? These are 18 to 20 ish year old kids, right? And think about the emotional high of getting up for Michigan, finally beating Michigan, being the team that beats Michigan. Oh yeah, you got Michigan State next week, but hey, dude, I got we got we're second best in the division right now. We can dethrone Ohio State, right? Like it's it's going to be right. hard for them to focus this week. So I wouldn't discount that, right? And yeah, do you want I mean, to do a minute on special teams and then move it on to uh, – Yeah, there's nothing to say. M- MSU special teams are bad, uh, and Indiana has an <laughs> awesome punter. So enjoy watching Jaden Reed have the ball go over his head. Uh, Wap Filer will, ha- hasn't really done much this year, but he'll probably get a punt return touchdown because we kick it 50 <laughs> yards in a straight line. Uh, and – shrug emoji on what the kickers are going to do uh yeah. you know indiana's guy's got a long of 48 or 50 or something like that he's fine i mean he's, he so, he's solid he's solid yeah, yeah. Oh, he, hasn't he, still hasn't missed. Missed? he still hasn't missed oh there you go that's even better uh they don't really have much of a kick return game but hey that can change when they play us um that, I, i'm just kind of i'm very i'm very of all the position of all the areas where i you can have like instant year one improvement special teams is it yeah, Ross Ellis has been a big disappointment of all the coaching staff. Ross Ellis really has been bad. the most disappointing to me by yeah, far. I the linebackers seen, and you know it's just not been good. I was so I was so excited to see um, uh, you know a real special teams coach. We talked about that before the year, and you know have Jaden Reed back there and Naylor. They have nothing. There is there is no. I mean, I think the. Uh, I don't even know what the numbers are. They're just, ter- I just, I just, they're just bad. They're just bad, you know, and, and Coughlin's missed a field goal now uh, in the last two games. He's back to his, his tough field goals, man. I, I'm yeah. not going to put that on Coughlin. Those are tough not, field goals and it's a wind. I'm not like, a, I'm not a McMuffin man. Like I, he needs to make, if you're going to be kicking field goals from 40 and in, you got to make them. That's my look at him all the not time. I didn't know a crosswind. I, 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 I kicked in high school. Those are not easy kicks that he was given uh, with the wind whipping like it was. Uh, I, I'll give him a pass on the two that he's missed this year. He missed one against Michigan at with at forty yards when he hit one at at forty at fifty one. So okay, that one I think was bad. I, I thought that one was bad. also going into the wind. <laughs> was going into the wind. Yeah. Okay, he might have one bad kick, but otherwise, is the two that I'm thinking about um, were not really his fault. Those were tough kicks, regardless. Um, but what I hear what you guys are saying is that Ross Ells is definitely getting the Jim Bowman Award because. That's what I would give him. That's, That's an award now? I like that. I'm good with that. Yeah. Jim Bowman just I, found I, out he was fired yesterday. I really believe yeah, that. Right. I, 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 if it's not an award, I'm making it up. One, That's because fair. It is, uh, wow. Like, I, I, I think I, I, I don't know if you guys talked about this on the first pod or not, but that was one thing that I was pretty stoked about is that we haven't had – our special teams have not been special since Keyshawn Martin, right? And – yeah. I was like, okay, so we got someone that's going to focus on a third of the game, right? It's a third of the game, and it hadn't, it didn't seem like it was being coached under D'Antonio. And now I don't know. And again, I don't know if it's this is part of the transition or this is a Jimmy and Joe's thing. But you would think that these kids would be coached to keep your feet planted on the ten yard line for punts. Do not back up. <laughs> yeah. Going to go over your head to catch it. And, fa- and then fair catch it. That makes zero sense. The probability is, is that it's going to roll into the end zone if it's above your head at the 10-yard line. Like, come on. It's amazing. Yeah. It, it's amazing. We did. Yeah, we, we did indeed. We, 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 we did talk about that. It, 
a lot. It, we did. We did. We were. We were. We were also excited for special teams and and have been very disappointed. And quite frankly, you know, I don't know if it's a Jimmy and Joe's issue at linebacker either. But um, you know, he, he took over linebacking duties from uh, Trestle, who's coaching safeties. And I think we can agree the secondary. Oh, I forgot been, about that. Good been, point. Solid. They've been solid, and the linebackers have been like, "Hey, do you guys remember what?" what, what run defenses because that used to be a point of pride for this program is that you stop the run. Uh, and so I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, you know, so where's the Antonio I guess, when you need a shuffle of coaches? Yeah. Well, I, 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 I honestly would, wouldn't be surprised to see a few changes after this year on the, on the coach, even after this, uh, with the coaching staff. Cause that's, that's, that's not okay. Um, yeah. wanted to get a, a, a run through a quick mailbag here because there actually aren't that many questions and then and then get some game predictions um and so the the, the first question is uh did IU stop at Harper's before the game Let's hope uh, so. they're asking yeah, in the future I, I, oh I mean I I mean maybe is Harper's even opened I mean like the capacity issue is going to be the problem so I think we're out of luck on that one yeah uh when does hockey well, season also start? you guys uh i think we kind of talked about it before the pod but didn't you guys say that uh ohio state was canceled this week yeah maryland so, that's actually a good point yeah speaking might of covid be, how many games are we going to get in might as well inject enjoy this weekend because it might be our last one right that's yeah we talked about that um and it's also interesting that that state would play maryland after after indiana um and if maryland got a mandatory 14 day quarantine uh, that game might be canceled. We're not canceled. playing that game. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, the, what I'm what I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking hypothetically. If they if they pull out pull up this upset against Indiana, I can't believe I just said that. Uh, but if they but if they pull it off, you go you go into a, essentially a bye week two and two, with a chance to then play Northwestern um, there and, and maybe get a little momentum. So um, and work out. You know, especially especially if the Iowa COVID outbreak did. Did you guys see Iowa got hit with a COVID outbreak? Yeah, yeah. Saw that, but yeah, apparently we tested negative, huh? Yeah, we're we're we've been okay, but you know, for now, but um, you know, it, it, you just don't know what what's gonna what's gonna happen. But they could end up with a bye week and a chance a, a, a COVID bye week, uh, if the season isn't canceled, and, and they they might they might need it. Um, when does hockey season start? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't even. I, I don't mean, know. I know they're joking, but the NHL is not starting until January, and I don't even know if Michigan State plays, still plays hockey. So, I, I don't know that I haven't actually heard of anything on a Big Ten hockey season yet. So that'll that'll be interesting to see what happens with some of the other winter sports. They, they're playing. They have a schedule, but I I mean I don't know. Oh, they do. About okay, it. I didn't see. I hadn't seen. Yeah, I hadn't seen anything about it. Arizona State is coming up here and playing, which is weird. But they're everyone else around them canceled. So who knows? <laughs> Google yeah. it. Yeah, uh, we'll have to. No, 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 I meant everyone else listening. If you want to know about hockey season, they can Google it. <laughs> wow, we not 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 a fan of the ice on, on here. I, I don't. I know Juicer's a big uh, big. I player. played hockey my I played hockey my whole life, so me too. <laughs> uh, why is Ronnie Ronnie, allowed back on? The, uh... I shouldn't be. Oh, go on. What am I doing here? Yeah, it says you're luckier we're not in Fansville, or you'd be in front of a judge right now. Based on the fact that uh, you were you were here on week one and week three, two losses, Juicer came in against Michigan and pulls the big upset. So, 
Uh, shots fired, man. What are you doing? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. I, I lost a good chunk of change on it this weekend as well. So I'm, I'm paying for it many ways. <sighs> Never Ronnie, bet on Michigan. You know what? Like right I'm going to say game, that. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie, I'll stick up for you. Not enough, not enough of a sample size in 2020. Thank you. Thank you. I got oh. some people with that's thank you very much. Oh, oh good. Make, make, make sure Jobu gets his rum. All right. I don't need any more bad karma on this year. Um let's see. You know, there were actually quite a lot of these are just are just kind of joke things. Uh someone asked how gross and Barnett looked. Um we I think we addressed that. Uh Barnett actually started at nickel. Is that right? Yes. He was out of position then. Like I because all all I think that they moved drive. him around, Drew. I think okay. they moved him around I, I a little bit. It tells you how how much he stuck out, stuck stuck out, which is to say, not. Um, that's really. It. I mean, I guess guys are kind of that Iowa game really kind of knocked people out. They weren't weren't very yeah. into it. So uh, predictions for Indiana is this, is this uh, does MSU spring the upset? Ronnie, what you got? Uh, no, I, I don't think uh, Michigan State can spring the upset. I mean, they could. I just don't think. Uh, I just don't think they have the pieces. And I think Michael. I think it will be closer than people expect. Um, seven point line right now on uh, at my book, but I would say that you know I think Michael Penix will get away from us late, and it'll be something around along the lines of thirty five to like, you know, thirty five to twenty eight or thirty five to twenty four. But I'll say thirty five to twenty eight that we get it within a touchdown, but you know, no closer. Juicer, where you at? I, you know, I, I just wonder about betting during COVID. Uh, you guys are real degenerates and <laughs> have the uh, that have the uh, wherewithal to to be able to bet this season. Because for me, there's just so many unknowns on each team on who's going to play and who's not going to play. But that line's been pretty funny. Uh, it's been what it was. A, I think it opened at uh, nine or yep. whatever, and it's been coming down. So I'd be interested to see where the sharp money lands on uh, Saturday. But just kind of thinking through it, uh, again, we don't know if Rocky's hurt. We don't know if Simmons is hurt. I, it depends on who's playing. And so prediction-wise, I, I think there's going to be some scoring in this game just because of the lines both being weak on both sides. So I'm going to I'm gonna go a little bit higher. And I, I don't know what the uh, over-under is on this, but I'm going to go over. So that, that'll be my prediction there. Uh, but I'd, I'd like a I like a twenty eight thirty five game. Uh, you know, IU. You just copied my prediction. I respect it. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even hear that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, I We're like really it. focused today, folks. This yeah. is really boy, boy. This is uh, this it's is, a fifth, like, the over under is fifty two for those who want to know. It's, it's like Ross Ells. Oh, you know what? Then then I'll, then I'll change it. I'll change mine to thirty one thirty five IU. Fair. Okay, so I actually am going to disagree. I think, I think this is a much better matchup scheme wise for the defense. Um, I think that it's it's a uh, one thing we didn't address. MSU is currently minus ten in turnover margin on the year, negative ten in three games, and there. I mean, a lot of that's Rutgers, but they haven't forced a turnover <coughs> in two weeks. There is something to be said about just turnover luck in a season. Uh, you rarely see that, you know, it's not enough to be a, a scientific point, but, or maybe I guess it is, there's enough data there to show 
states do for a, a at least an even turnover type situation. Uh, and I think we can agree, you know, that an Iowa game wouldn't have been quite as as disastrous if if the not for the three turnovers, particularly the pick six. Um, so I, I'm expecting, especially at home, um, this team is still very young. We talked about the 2016 class not being there. There just aren't a lot of seniors. There aren't a lot of senior playmakers. I mean, there are some leaders in the locker room, Naquan Jones, Antoine Simmons, but there aren't that steady, well-versed in the scheme guys to kind of hold down the fort. Uh, people are still learning on the fly. Um, and so uh, they, I think they read their own press clippings against Michigan uh, the loss should should refocus them. I mean, there, there's really nothing to lose this year except maybe you get the potential to get some good good film on tape for the NFL. Um, so I think this this Hoosier offense kind of plays into what MSU does. I mean, they were able to get down one on one coverage uh, against Michigan. We saw what Michigan's corners did um, against Michigan State. Indiana didn't have quite the same amount of success. Uh, certainly not in terms of like, you know, yards per attempt or, you know, they, they threw for 300 yards, took 50, 50 throws to do it. Um, I think this is, a, I, I just, I just feel like this is, this is a better matchup for the defense and, and on the offense, uh, look, Indiana doesn't play that fundamental, keep everything in front of you discipline type of defense they play reckless. So you might see some sacks, you might see some third and 15s get completed. Um, and, and that kind of chaotic game, I think can favor a home team, a team that really wants to bounce back after getting embarrassed, uh, and, and a state team that we've seen has at least some, there's some talent there, uh, obviously not enough, nowhere near enough to compete at the big 10 level, you know, an Ohio state level or anything. Um, but you know, uh, enough to make this a competitive game. So I'm actually going to say 31, 28, uh, Coglin redeems himself with a 46 yarder as time expires uh, to give MSU their second ranked win of the year. Um, I, I think just COVID makes teams so up and down. I think um, I think Indiana is actually kind of primed for a letdown. States, it's kind of states turn to be up. Um, I, I just I just think there there are some some decent matchups here that that weren't there against Iowa, especially now seeing the lines through through three games. So. I really um, like the field goal yardage. I'm a big fan of that, that you gave 46. the yardage on the lead. That's 46. really good. If that happens, I like that. If that happens, it's, it, and don't bet on them. Don't, don't bet on, don't bet on your own team. Come on. Keep, keep it pure. Um, I'm, so I'm a degenerate. A I'm a degenerate. Bit. You are. You should, as soon as you, as soon as you, you sent me that text, like 10 minutes before kickoff, I'm like, oh, they're going to get smoked. That's it. You can't have that. <laughs> um, so, so uh, today we we did want to take take ten minutes and uh, we're actually doing okay on time. Uh, talk a little bit about basketball, Ronnie. You're the basketball guy. I just know the ball goes in the hoop, uh, and you want to make more of those than the other team. So apparently, some big news happened today uh, with signing day, uh, 2021. Uh, Juicer, you probably follow basketball more than I do. So why don't you, gents, riff on that for a second? It's not really big news so much as like it was a big day for Tom Izzo and he was pretty pumped. Uh, most of you guys who follow basketball know that we had, you know, three recruits that we prioritized, that we prioritized early and we got who we wanted um, in Pierre Brooks, uh, Max Christie, who's a shooting guard, six foot six. Pierre Brooks himself is like a, a maybe like a small forward or shooting guard, six foot six, six foot five. And then Jay Nakins, who's six three, is a listener at six four today, which was really interesting. Um you know, basketball's right around the corner, but that's a really big, you know, all of those are really big pieces for Tom Izzo going forward. 
Um, I, I don't know if you guys know a lot about them, but you know, Jay Nakins is this little super point guard who has more athleticism than any point guard Izzo's ever recruited. I mean, he's super excited. Izzo called him the steal of the draft. You know, Max Christie's a five-star, you know, prospect from uh, Indiana or Illinois, excuse me, Chicago. Uh, huge upside. You know, I, some people are saying he's six foot seven. You know, the first five-star Izzo's gotten, I think, in as a guard since they said. I mean, Langford or Gary Harris. They were talking about it. I think Langford, Langford. fell at the end. No, I think he did fall at the end. But yeah, I think I think he might have fallen at the end. Yeah. But, I thought it was uh, just yeah, so, five star, but yeah, it could have been, yeah. And then, uh, then you go um, to Pierre Brooks, who's kind of a do everything combo guy. So it was a big day. It was good to get them. Everyone's, I, I've seen a lot of people talking about why Amani Bates wasn't mentioned today. Well, he's 2022. Reclassification is still open, but I mean, Izzo's pumped. Izzo's really pumped about those kids, and and you know, even you know, made a comment yesterday about uh, you know Langford looking really good and healthy and probably going to be in the starting lineup. So. Uh, you know, very exciting. We're going to have more basketball as we go forward here. Season starts in, you know, 18 days, which is kind of crazy. And I think they're opening against Notre Dame for what we know right now, but we should get more of a schedule this week. Uh, what do you guys think about everything going on in basketball? At least, I mean, I know it's, we haven't got a lot of information, but I, I mean, I think Izzo is pretty pumped about this team. and seems pretty excited. I well, mean, first of I, all, I'm hopefully, oh, sorry. No, 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 no. I, I was going to say something stupid going. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, well wishes to Izzo, obviously, uh, with the COVID yeah. diagnosis. Hopefully he recovers from that. Uh, well, it sounds like it's only been mild symptoms. But um, one, you know, I, I think this is something that I've always kind of lived by with football recruiting or basketball recruiting. I don't really care until they sign on the line. Um Especially in basketball, where you see so much flip-flopping and uh, look at uh, Michigan's signing day last year, I believe it was, where you know they lost out on those five-star kids that were committed. That I mean, there was obviously they weren't sure where where um, if they were actually going to come or not. But you know, until these kids sign, it's it, it's fun to speculate. But now, I mean, it's it's real. It's happening. And for Izzo to get a kid out of Chicagoland after all those misses, after all those losses to Dukes, to, to Duke, excuse me, um, you know, he said no. He he's went to Duke, and he said no to Duke. Um, it's not like he didn't have a Duke offer. He had a Duke offer, and Christy, he still wanted to talking about? Yeah. Yeah, the kid out of Chicago. Um, you know, so, like, if is that going to open up Chicago pipelines again? You know, is, is the – is is that an area that's caused Izzo so much pain? Is that potentially going to be a place for him to go back? Because I'll be honest, guys, I thought Izzo was going to probably hang up hang up the sneakers, you know, sometime soon. But he seems way re-energized, you know, and I think he's going to play as he's going to coach as long as he possibly can, um, you know, not even just until Stephen graduates, but longer than that. And he's he's getting some studs that are you know might be one and done might be two and done but he's also getting some kids that i think are going to be program kids that are going to stay for a little bit as well and so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the roster it happens with reclassification in terms of can we get amani into this class can we get to the uh the big canadian kid into this class Boy, uh, but, yeah I, I wasn't even gonna try to pronounce it um no you know but <laughs> that's that's a fab five right there coming in right don't like, say it I'm just saying, like, I mean, that is a, that, that is a true, I mean, I don't, what else you want to call him, right? Like that, that is a, 
Fantastic Five. Uh, I don't know, what you, like whatever adjective you want to use, you know, coming in that probably hasn't been seen since, you know, the one from the school down the road. So, and Izzo didn't have to cheat to get them there. So there we go. I, I, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, good, good vibes around the basketball program. But again, let's, let's, let's see what happens with, you know, some some of the kids that haven't reclassified yet that haven't signed yet, you know, it's it's fun to fun to speculate. But I think Ronnie kind of hit it in terms of where these guys are going to fit in. But also, it'll be interesting to see who stays past this year, right? Uh, is Rocket going to stay? Is Rocket going to be able to man the point? Um, I think we have a lot of questions at, uh, at at our point guard spot. You know, can Foster back him up um, adequately? Is this Henry's last no. year? How much is Langford going to be able to get us? Give us? You don't think this? I I think Henry's gone after this. No, year. no he was saying. Think, Fo- I think he was saying no to Ken Foster. Break him up. Oh uh, no! <laughs> yeah. I mean, Izzo. No, yeah, Izzo has been really one to blow on Foster. He's been really high yeah. on Foster, and, and he doesn't blow smoke him. up kids' butts. Um, I that's going to be. You think no, that's like, that's like Russell Bird in Moneyball or whatever. Like, yeah. Well, I do think I do think uh, that. Um, going, I think that because if Amani comes, I do think that Gabe Brown and Rocket would stay. Aaron Henry is gone, but I do think they're all best friends. They all like hang out, and they have made comments that if Amani does come, they would be staying, um, which is a real positive going forward. Now we'll see. I I personally am of the belief that Amani Bates is going to play college basketball, and I you know I, I do believe he's he is he comes he'll, come he'll for two be, years. Only be one year, I think, but I think that. He is a generational talent. He won't talent. be old enough unless they change the rules. He's right. not going to be old enough. I do think he'll find a way. To, I, I think the rules will change for him, basically. Like, he'll play one year, and then he'll be allowed to go kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, they're never going to – Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see Amani for two years. But I do think um, that there's a lot of positives with basketball. And we'll do, a, a, we'll do a podcast where we talk a lot more about basketball. But I, I wanted to give credit to Doug Wojek. You know, Izzo hired him uh, back he is the recruiting coordinator. And I, I mean, he was one of the main reasons all of this happened. He, j- his son just happened to go to school with Christie's son and that got us the inside track on him. And he's, you know, running all these, he's coordinating all the recruiting visits and all these zoom meetings. And we all know Izzo probably can't, you know, do technology at all. So he needs that. So yeah, no, a lot of what you said is great. And I agree. It's very exciting. And those kids are very exciting. Andrew, I, I didn't let you talk on it. I'm so sorry. You, your no, thoughts. Don't. No, I was going to ask what you guys thought about Xavier Tillman this year. That was that was my joke. That in that terms of where so, he's oh, going, nobody laughed. No, no, no. Nobody that, that, that I was so yeah. That I was so yeah. That was sorry. That was that's where I'm at. No, um, you know my what's so so. I mean, obviously the future is is incredibly bright. I mean, there are three what you know three five stars that are going to be here by 2022 with Christie and uh uh. The two from from the the yeah, 2022 class. and Amani Bates, yeah. which both could reclassify. But I'm telling you, Aikens right. is the gem of the class. But we'll talk about that another time. Go well, on, Andrew. I, I hear all that, but like, there's a season starting in like a week or two weeks or whatever. I, I mean, I, the, the the idea I thought, you know, the, my my estimation, this is kind of a uh, the current team is is uh, make the tournament maybe make it to the second weekend at tops, right? I mean, this they're not expected. This to team be. is good. I disagree. I think this team is way better than people give them credit for. Way better. And I Why? think that's because you need three pros, right? To win a national title, you need three pros. 
Um, that's kind of if you look back and you look at everyone who's you know gone to a Final Four, won a national title, three pros. I think Michigan State, Villanova. right? Well, I mean they still have guys that are getting you know cups of coffee in the league or and the D league, but yes, that's fair. But I mean you need three pros, and I think Michigan State has that. I think Rocket is a pro. I think Aaron Henry will be a pro, uh, and I actually think Gabe Brown will be a pro. I, I, and I think oh, okay. Gabe Brown. And I think he has the highest ceiling. And then you have Hauser, who could be a pro. I mean, there are in Sissoko one day, but we haven't seen him. I mean, you have a lot of talent there. And, and what you're forgetting is Rocket was coming on really strong last year. Um, he Aaron Henry was he playing was. his best basketball at the end of the year. In fact, I mean, if Aaron Henry goes to the tournament and Michigan State plays in the tournament, he's not back this year. I really believe that. And then, you know, couple that with, you know, Gabe Brown was a better player than Aaron Henry until he got sick. He had, you know, mono and was out for about two to three weeks, and he never recovered. So, you know, you know, there's a lot of positives to look at this team, and they their front court depth, while they're unproven, is strong. You know, Malik Hall was having a good year at the end of the year. Um, we ta- You talked about Joey Hauser, who is, you know, from all for all right. intents and purposes, a stud. There are a lot of pieces, and, you know, we have arguably the second best or best coach in college basketball. I mean, there's reason to look up. Preseason, they're 13th. That's not, you know, inconsequential. I think that's I think this is a very high ceiling team. By the way, have you seen the shoulders and the arms on Malik uh Hall Bingham? as well as as well as Marcus Bingham? I mean, I don't know if this is a new strength uh like the new conditioning and, and all that since Manny retired, but wow, these guys look like they've all put on some size. So, yeah, I I I'm very bullish on this team. It's just it's going to depend on Rocket. Can he play the point and if he can't, or how how is how is the point going to look, right? Let, let's not discount Cassius Simpson. Uh, Cassius Simpson. Oh my God, I'm really tired. Let's not discount Cassius Winston here, right? Like he was the maestro out there in terms of assisting, in terms of getting a bucket when this team needed it. You don't replace that kind of production. And Rocket is not a pass first point guard. He is a shoot first point guard. Is he going to be able to? rein it in for Izzo's system or is he going to make the players around him better, right? I think it's also going to, you know, what, what are we going to do with the two spot at this point, right? Are we going to go small? Are we going to go big? Are we, is Langford going to be able to give us a lot of minutes? So I think that if this team plays to its ceiling, it's definitely a final four national championship contender. I could also see them being, you know, barely out of the first weekend kind of team if those things don't happen in terms of we don't have a point guard that we can rely on. And if we don't have front court depth that we can count on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And uh, yeah, we'll do a podcast on basketball and talk about it a little bit, but there's a, there's this really exciting, but you know, as Juzer said, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And, you know, at least for in my, in my opinion, the team, the thing that's most important to this team is, you know, they have a lot of really high talented wings, but they don't have a lot of wing depth. And if, you know, you know, Hogger just had a scope, he probably won't get a lot of minutes going forward until later in the season, you know, can Lakeford stay healthy? And that's just an unknown right now. So we will see. Is he, is he absolutely going to play? Is he able to play yes. in practice? Izzo said, Izzo said, and I, I am shocked, but Izzo said today, uh, I can get the direct quote from Tom Izzo on him. He said like basically, yeah, he said, you know, I think he's close to being to 100% as he can be. I'm not going to hide behind it anymore. I told him I have to put, I have to start putting pressure on him now, and I feel good about it. It's been an incredible journey, and he's been really solid. And then he said, that was yesterday. And then today he said that he's a starter. 
So he's going to be starting over Game Brown, which shocks me. But you know, Izzo doesn't oh, you're lie talking about, about Langford. Yes, I, I thought you were. I thought you were talking about Hoggard for a second. No, 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 no Langford. 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 Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that that's huge if he's beaten out Gabe Brown, right? Like, right. And, and Ronnie, I love the uh, I love the little teaser on the uh, the basketball pod. Yeah, work. no, we'll do it. We'll do it. You know, that's that's what we do. We're a professional pod. Yeah, yeah. getting there, getting there. Um, so you know, I, I guess just to wrap it up uh, for for the Indiana game because that that's a good note. What what would you be encouraged other than yeah win and all that? I, re- realistically, what what are you looking for? for week over week improvement in this game just from from I, I just want a good effort I, I want the I want the fundamentals to be there I mean I, I want what Tucker wants fundamentals to be there I don't care about the outcome I just want to see improvement I want to see people getting better because like we said this is year zero and even it's even before year zero because Tucker didn't get the full you know time of a regular coach so I, I just want to see fundamental improvement I think the success will come later in later seasons. Juicer. Yeah. Piggybacking on Ronnie's thought, just improvement fundamentals. Um, I, I, I really just want to see how this team responds to adversity, right? You, it's one thing to lose to Rutgers and you kind of saw after that post game uh, in that post game press conference, Tucker was pretty even keeled. Everyone seemed pretty even keeled, right? And then obviously had the win at Michigan. And did they get high on their own supply? I don't know. I don't really see that <laughs> just the way that Tucker is. You know, I, I think this was. I, I think that they. I, I think that they kind of know that there are limitations, right? But then to just come out and try the whole time and get shellacked by a, a very motivated Iowa team. You know, how if if things don't go well against Indiana, are are they going to? You know keep up that effort for all 60 minutes. You know, if what's going to kind of go on there, if they get punched in the mouth, are they going to counter punch? Are they going to at least keep sticking their head in there or or their face in there? You know, what, what are they going to do? How are they going to respond to adversity? I think I'm very interested to see what, what, and what is the emotion like on this team? We talked about in that first game against Rutgers, they seemed lifeless. Um, You know, so are they, you know, they're, they're, back home in front of friends and family, you know, are they going to show a little bit more emotion? You got a top 10 team coming in here that you have a real chance at beating, you know? I mean, again, I, uh, outcome doesn't matter to me. Just what, what is this team shaping up to be? What is the identity of this team becoming? Well, I think that's a, the identity is a big question, right? I, I think the only thing I, I know this team does is, is throw a pretty decent deep ball. That's, that's, that's what I feel I know about them. And, um, you know, the rest of it with the defensive identity, I mean, I'm not seeing a lot of aggression in terms of blitzing and, uh, or at least nothing's getting home. Um, you know, I, 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 competitiveness. Yes. I mean, Iowa is just a very fundamental team and Iowa didn't make mistakes that they did against Northwestern. And whether that's because they just played better or because MSU couldn't force them into it, you know, I, I don't know, but that whatever the case may be, um, so my, you know, what would do it for me is is seeing better line play fundamentals on on the offensive line, not getting um, not getting um, confused by by the variety of blitzes that are going to be coming up. Uh, I'd like to see the running backs uh, pass block well. Uh, just just basics, you know, blocking, tackling, catching. Um, that's what this team needs to get better at, and uh, I, I think I think they have a chance to do it. So. Uh, but we'll see. 
Uh, any final thoughts or anything? I got nothing. Okay. Go well, green, baby. Yeah, go green. Uh, hopefully, hopefully there is indeed a better. Um, there, there is another uh, another game after this one. But uh, if not, hopefully the the Spartans put up a, a good fight here against the Hoosiers, and uh, we will be back here next week um, to discuss uh, the outcome and hopefully the uh, the next game on the season. So, uh, go green. Go white. Go white. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>